I'm going to get to the bottom of that and see what's underneath that anger, because there's always something underneath it, right? Sadness, hurt, whatever, and, and be able to understand these emotional, these, these emotions that come up. And I think that's the emotional tolerance we get to, we get to work with men on. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's, it's a trust and a timing that starts to happen. There's an, initi- an initiation we get to kind of eventually take them through, because I think in society today, men's initiations are, are missing. There's something that we haven't gotten. We, nobody told us how you, now you're coming to be from a boy to a man, you know, right. Judaism ki- kind of has it. Um, but there's really something, something special when, when we can go through our, our hero's journey, so mm-hmm. to speak, and really understand what our role is. Because what we're seeing in leadership today in the world and in this country and in these corporations and government is not what leadership is supposed to be. This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney and Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 32nd episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week I have with me Chris Plord. Chris is a Los Angeles-based conscious performance coach, a consultant, a speaker, and mind-body instructor with over 20 years of experience. Chris has traveled both nationally and internationally, speaking, educating on the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of wellness and life. He has also worked with and coached well-known companies such as Walt Disney, Equinox, Tender Greens, Enterprise Car Rental, Xerox, Lululemon, Worldwide Produce. And these are just a few of the companies that Chris has mentored and consulted. He's also worked with celebrities, business executives, top fitness professionals, and military special ops personnel. By disrupting old patterns and identifying limiting beliefs, Chris guides his clients to achieving their goals and through the process of falling in love with the journey of becoming the greatest version of themselves. I had an excellent time talking with Chris and we talked about his background and his journey of stepping into his self and his continuous efforts in doing so, as well as his life coaching techniques and his opinion on current trajectory and situations within the world regarding leadership and the divine masculine. And so I'm really excited to share Chris and our conversation with you. So here we go. So you have quite a resume of helping people as a coach with athletes and Mm -hmm. men in particular um, Mm -hmm. and in order to be able to come to a place where you're able to guide people to their mm. authenticity, you've mm. personally had to probably go through a lot of transformation yourself in order to get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things that I like to ask people who join me is, when is the first time that you can recall knowing that you had an inner voice of yourself and it wasn't mm. influenced by someone else or your environment, or your parents, but you knew that it was authentically you, and it wasn't influenced by anything other than that. You know, I think what it what it comes down to is just following the joy that I've always felt for certain things. When I when I really love something, it is something I immerse myself into, 
and and I'm completely and totally like yes, all in. And I I, I feel like we all have that inner voice, and I think it it leads us to it, it comes from joy. And I think that that forcing of or doing something in our lives that is like, well, maybe I should or could, you know, that hesitancy of it is probably based on some programming that came from somebody else. So when I first felt it, I think it was in sports, like we had, you know, in high school, it was like we had an amazing football team, number one in the country, um, obsessed for 10 years through high school, June, you know, mid- midgets, high school, the uh, college for a bit. Um, the next thing was like interning at Disney World. You know, that was something I knew I wanted to do. It was, it was joy. It was pure excitement. Um, moving out to California from Boston, you know, that was like, yes. Um, starting to teach spinning, um, going into breath work, becoming a coach, um, leaving medical device sales to come back into my industry of coaching. It's like having, meeting my wife. I mean, I knew immediately, like, it was like, yes, you know, I know you asked for one, but I'm giving you all the, it's a great, it's a great question. Cause yeah. now it's like make, getting me excited going like, oh my God, meeting my wife, having, being a dad for the first time, you know, like going, oh my God, like I, I'm, we're having a baby. This is amazing. Right. And then yeah. seeing, her, you know, being a parent and skiing and, and, and like all of these things that bring me joy that were for me at first, that I was able, I was able to transform and then be able to teach and coach because of what I went through. And I made a living off and I was able to make a living and still am able to make a living off of this. Mm -hmm. And so this personal transformation that, that I get to go, I love diving into all these books and podcasts and tapes and seminars and weekends. I love that for me. And I want to give that to other people. So Mm -hmm. I follow my joy. That's my inner voice. Awesome. It's a little long, but <laughs> no, no, it's completely welcome. So it sounds like you almost follow like the joy and the bliss of your inner child, um, mm-hmm. and um, just following the joy and the the bliss of every moment. Is there someone who showed you how to do that, or is it just something that you were able to, mm-hmm. you know, follow on your own? You know, I don't know if there was one particular person. Um, I know there was a lot of lessons I got from people that were indirect. So the people that didn't do that, right. And like growing up, I was under the impression I needed to get a great job with a good company and get a business degree. And once you did that, you'd be happy. And so that was everybody else's projections and the programming that was instilled in me at a very young age. And so I got to learn what not to do and then be able to thank those people later for teaching right. me indirectly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so looking at the lessons going like, yes, but I'm going to follow my heart. You know, it's like, how can you make a living off of a coach, being a coach? My mom, like, I'm concerned, my dad, I'm concerned. And then I started traveling around the world and, you know, and then it became like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, there's something here, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it, it was that kind of thing of, I think it was really following my own, but there's been dozens of teachers and mentors along the way that I've, I've taken bits and pieces of and followed and been like, yeah, I love, I love that piece that you do. I love that piece that you do. I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to borrow that and, and eventually make my own journey up my own path up. So, right. <laughs> so 
starting with sports, which mm. was in high school, um, you probably had a coach in that situation. Would you mm -hmm. say that 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 your coach for sports influenced you in wanting to be a coach, or how did that? It, not necessarily. The the coaching techniques back then were a lot different than the way I would coach somebody. You know, okay. um, I had a lot of great coaches that that you could tell loved who yes they came from a loving place, but their techniques were something that I go, mm, I don't know if I want to use that. <laughs> right. So, so again, all of the coaches, like, you know, they had this major persona and this, this, this awesome presence about them, but I, I don't know if there was one in particular and there was a teacher that was really impactful getting me into one of my colleges um, that, that it was his alma mater. And it was just, again, it was, it was not putting one particular person on a pedestal. I, I think I would put them all in my corner, so to speak. Right. You know? I, yeah. Again, it was showing you what not to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and what to do, you know, the context comes from love. They, right. they taught you from a, from an inner context of love, but those techniques, you know, I got to say yes or no to on right. how they, how they impacted somebody. Yes. And so, so from your trans transformation, your transition from sports into college and like your business degree studies, was there a point when you decided that this like business kind of lifestyle wasn't for mm -hmm. you um, and that yeah. you wanted to pursue something else? <laughs> well, let's talk of geography first. Okay. So, so when I, I was in college, I had a business degree. I I was getting a business degree. I ended up interning in, in Disney, Walt Disney World for six months, which was a game changer, life changer. Because what it did is it brought 2,500 college kids from around the world and put them in the same place. And it really allowed me to see, because a lot of the people, a lot of the kids I went to school with were amazing, but they had a certain mindset growing up in a certain area. When I was able to go there, it expanded my horizon of, oh my God, I got to get out West. I, I need to open my eyes from this tunnel vision that I was in into something that is much, much bigger. So all of my focus was like right after, get back to school, graduate, get yourself out West. So then it became, okay, I'm going to, I loved skiing. So I was going to go, I'm going to go move to Utah with a buddy of mine from that internship. Then it was like, I missed the ocean. So let's, where can I get the ocean in the mountains? Let's go to LA, right? So all these things lined up. So it was a matter of following that. And then the programming of career came into play. So I would get into a position, like say I worked for enterprise, I worked for Xerox, I've worked in medical device sales. And because I had the degree, I thought that they were gonna be positions that made me happy. Um, thinking back when I first took those, it was like a have to as opposed to a really excited want to. And so I got into these positions and in about a year's time, it would be like, oh, there's something missing. I'm not fulfilled. Yeah. There's an emptiness here. And I didn't know what that was. And so I ended up jumping out and then going back into what I knew and loved coaching, right? Because it was right there all the time. No matter what, when I, would, when I was working these positions, I was always coaching. Consistently for 25 years, I haven't stopped. So I had to just listen and pay attention to the whispers of 
wait a minute, there, there's, a, there's something here. You just have to believe because you haven't seen anybody in your direct life yet make a career of mm-hmm. this yet, it doesn't mean it can't be done. And then when you see that it can be done and you see that somebody else blazes that trail, oh, I like that, great, I'm gonna go after that. So that's when I became a presenter and a coach for various companies and certified thousands of instructors and so on. So I was really able to, to listen to, I'm not fulfilled, I'm not happy, move to where you're happy, yeah. follow your heart. Perfect. Yeah, you you really had to have a lot of like trust and faith in yourself too in order mm, to be yeah. able to do that. And so you grew up in Boston, correct? Yeah, Brockton, south of Boston. Yeah. Okay, and mm. and so you moved to Los Angeles, and I know when I moved to Los Angeles, um, I my eyes were opened to a lot of things mm-hmm. that I had never encountered before, especially <laughs> uh, when it came to spirituality and things like that. Yeah. Um, so how did being in that environment affect your connection with your spirituality? Right. Where are you in Los Angeles? First of all, are you? Um, I, in- I'm no, I just recently left there, but I was there okay. for about five years and then gotcha. years before. So I, I'm familiar gotcha. with the, <laughs> right, the journey right. of that. <laughs> I get it. Um, you know, it was, it was real. I was like a kid in a candy store actually. Cause there was, first of all, it was all about, I, then I transitioned from to mountain biking and cycling and yoga and boxing and wait, I was just like, ah, there's so much here for me to do. Right. And you know, I was outside running in the rain every day. The weather was amazing. Cause my blood was so thin coming right from Boston, but you know, what I loved and what I still love is the open-mindedness of people, you know, the, the open hearts that you meet with so many people, you know, I didn't necessarily like the, the East, you know, the Hollywood, that's not where I I was, I've been always on the West side since I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just being a part of the ocean and that mentality of, yeah, there's an openness. There's a, there's something here and and the spirituality, quote unquote, however you want to view that for me, it evolves slowly. Like I would see certain people that would be in certain communities and groups and it'd be great with them. But it was for me, it really took a little bit of time because I think I was so involved in, in my own pursuit of riding the bike or racing or all of this. And then when I kind of came out of it and, you know, I met my wife 18 years ago, um, we embarked on this, what now is we call ourselves spiritual partners. So then we really started getting into, for lack of a better word, woo woo, you know, (laughs) you know, going in and doing deep journey work and learning how to meditate. And then eventually, you know, teaching meditation and then learning breath work and teaching breath work and, you know, journey work, plant medicine, all of that has really allowed us to, to connect at a deeper level for ourselves. And, um, that I think is, um, a huge part of us right now, but, you know, being so far out there, I think it's, it's one thing to be woo woo, but it's another thing to be able to really connect and speak to people in a way that they fully understand. So I think that integration of both worlds Mm -hmm. is really important. I think that's part of my job as a coach is to kind of be that bridge of, yeah, we can talk about the deepest, deepest metaphysical 
you know, experiences you've had, because we see that all the time, but how do you now integrate that and relate that to our human experience here right now? Right. Yeah. So I would love to kind of like dig in a little bit to this concept of a spiritual relationship and a partnership, Mm -hmm. especially at this time where it seems really difficult to connect with people. Um, especially Mm -hmm. with things like dating apps and scenarios that are present in our lives. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about what entering into a spiritual partnership like Mm -hmm. feels like or looks like or how you know um, that you're entering into one. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do you find that? (laughs) Well, I think it's, it's, you know, uh, let me cut back to what I what's happening with a lot of people, a lot of my clients and their relationships right now is, you know, one person's digging in and doing the work and the other one might not want to touch that yet. And it's creating this, this, oh my God, what's, what's going on? Like, I don't know if I should be with this person or whatever the case may be, because there's this unveiling unlocking of, of self that's coming your soul is actually the layers are being peeled off the the new visions are starting to happen of what it is you're supposed to be doing and 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 sometimes the partnership was based on one thing right it might have been a great passionate relationship um material maybe there was they liked they had fun there was a, a, a a sexual connection whatever the case may be but then it kind of like we evolve we peel back what has always been there. And we start to reprogram from what was programmed into us from the age of 20, you know, before the age of 20 or 25, however you want to look at it. So now we get to, I get, I get the privilege of working with people and, and showing and, and pointing out or seeing that this person might be here to actually teach you. Your souls are here to show each other and help each other grow right? When someone triggers me, it's like, oh, what am I, what part of me is not free or not healed, right? And what is that trigger and where does it come from? What part of my childhood or teenage years does that come from a a situation that I want to avoid, right? So when my wife and I get in a a discussion, (laughs) right, (laughs) that our voices might be elevated a little bit, we get it. Yes, well, we have a, a, a a talk, uh, you know, maybe even lose our tempers a little bit. Absolutely. Sure. But we're always able to go back and say, what was the lesson here? What, why did I react this way? What was it about you that, that created this, this discomfort within me that made me want to cover it up with anger, right? And vice versa. So I think when we can really look at partnerships as the opportunity to grow and connect and learn lessons and let ourselves evolve to a higher vibration, that's when we're really going to see the gifts and we're going to start embracing the, the, the things, the people, the situations that come into our lives and start to reframe them as, as not problems, but challenges, as opportunities to grow, as pl- the things that we get to jump into and say yes to, as opposed to, I don't know if I should be going that direction. How do you know? Is it eventually going to un- bring you joy? Yes, but the courage of jumping into the middle of that trigger 
is where I think a lot of people need to explore and shine that light on. Absolutely. Yeah. And it seems like when you jump into that spiritual journey of that expansion, um, Mm. it it kind of tricks you sometimes because you get to a certain point where you feel like you can take a breath and like take a little break, but, but that's not the case. I feel like it just keeps going and going and you're ever evolving and changing and transforming. So ever, like what you just said, ever evolving, it's constant. Right. And that's what we have to, and it's not, you get to retirement and then you get to, you get to lay back and go, okay, great job. You can do that, but it's always coming up in some way, shape or form. It's if you choose to look at it. Right. I know that you do a lot of work with men in particular. Mm -hmm. And so do you focus a lot on this type of transformation with them? Um, Yes, for sure. And it just, you know, a lot of men will come, whether I'm working with them one-on-one or in the circles or the teams that we have created or the weekends we create. um, And they'll just, there'll be something missing. There'll be something in their lives. They might have plenty of money, you know, they might have reached a level of quote unquote success, but when you really get to the heart of it, it's, it's what is success? And I always ask my men and women, you know, what are, I know you're successful, but are you fulfilled? Are you happy? What's missing on that? You know, on that scale of one to 10, how fulfilled are you in all areas of your life? And And when they really start to see or come into these circles or start to see that there are men that, that are struggling like them, that, that get an opportunity to not only just to, to see that they're not the only ones, but to express authentically how they feel, right? Unfortunately, men are put, were put into a place of, you need to bury your feelings and man up and get to work, you know? And, and that's not necessarily the case. I, you know, I think we need to feel our emotions, not be victimized by our emotions. There's a big difference here because a lot of people get this confused. When we f- get to feel our emotions, <clears throat> then there's a freedom that lies within that. When we get to talk about our emotions, there's a freedom that lies in that. There's a difference between um, I'm going to act out and be angry, right? and punch a wall or, you know, abuse somebody or something or bully something, or I'm going to get to the bottom of that and see what's underneath that anger. Cause there's always something underneath it, right? Sadness, hurt, whatever. And, and be able to understand these emotional, these, these emotions that come up. And I think that's the emotional tolerance we get to, we get to work with men on. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's, it's a trust and a timing that starts to happen. There's an, initi- an initiation we get to kind of eventually take them through because I think in society today, men's initiations are, are missing. There's something that we haven't gotten. We, nobody told us how you, now you're coming to be from a boy to a man. You know, right. Judaism ki- kind of has it, um, but there's really something, something special when when we can go through our, our hero's journey, so mm-hmm. to speak, and really understand what our role is. Because what we're seeing in leadership today in the world and in this country and in these corporations and government is not what leadership is supposed to be. That's, that's a made up fictitious thing in our minds that came back thousands of years ago. And now I think as we see this, this, this world change, we get to redefine what leadership is. 
you know, and we get to, we get to share what's going on inside and lead from our hearts and our souls and not lead from a place of ego and a place of what we, from our old programming that was taught to us, by the way, by people (laughs) that were doing the best job they could with the tools that they had. But now we have some tools that have, have 10X'd that anything that's gone on in the past, you know, few generations. And we get a chance to use those tools now and heal ourselves or, 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 you know, own our scars, right. And, and move (laughs) on and take it to another level of, of, of just freedom and life and liberty and justice and all that other good stuff that goes on with that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think you're doing some really like essential and important work. So thank you for like devoting your time to that. I'm wondering, since you've been coaching for around 20 years now, Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the changes that you've seen within people and maybe men in particular, as far as transformation, like as a collective? Um, Mm. Is there an answer for that, do you think? (laughs) Well, I think think what it comes down to is, is kind of what we just tapped upon is, it is an authenticity that most people don't get to really see. And they're scared of that because we've worked so hard to put a mask on, you know, so coaching what it used to be. And, you know, you asked me, did you have these, you know, earlier, what were your, you know, high school coaches like, what were your, again, they came from a heartfelt place, but their, but a lot of their tactics on how to motivate weren't, you know, at the time they would, yeah, maybe pump you up a little bit, but, but did they really touch the soul and get to where we are today? Right. And I think coming from a right brain, compassionate, um, innovative, uh, curious way of being in life, right. As opposed to the left brain, I'm motivated by fear. I'm motivated by survival and there's been a lot of teams, um, a lot of companies that have been built off of that, right? right? But is the new paradigm actually working from that anymore? You know, hence what you asked me before, what is it about, you know, some of these men, you know, and there's a lack of fulfillment. So when we're seeing things be built from that left brain, my argument is, yeah, you could still build some things, but can you do it from a place, a different place? And now studies actually are out right now showing that it, you can shift that, that neuro pathway, that new habit, right? The gray matter can come from the, what you used to come from the left brain, if you're following me here, yeah. by using meditations and certain techniques to get present, to shift that gray matter to the right brain. And it takes time, it takes work to get there. But it shows not only if you can do this and you can, I work with my clients on this all the time, I call it mental fitness, is if you can get there, when you get there, let's put it that way, you're not only, you're only going to, you're going to live 10 years longer. This is according to the studies. You're going to be 30% more successful. So if you're going to measure it by finances, right? You know, yeah, you might've built a $10 million company, but now let's add 30% to that right? Because you're coming from your communication within your company is going to be so much clearer. And so you're, the silos are going to come down and, or family or organization, whatever you're working from. Um, and you're going to be exponentially happier, 
Like that's what it comes down to. I think we all have a, a deep desire to be really truly authentically happy, right? And and fulfilled. And I think that's what the missing piece is. But we 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 live in fear. A lot of people live in fear of actually taking that step and doing the work because we're used to doing it for a certain way for so long. And it's like, can we can we look at it and go, I'm ready to change. I'm done climbing this mountain, which I've been climbing for 20, 30, 40 years. And I'm going to, I see a new mountain. I see a new terrain. I see something that, that, that I'm excited about that brings me joy. And I'm going to start to pursue that. Yeah. Now let's get to work. So. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you met with a lot of resistance whenever you go into like a corporation or something like that? And how do you break through the resistance mm. with them. So if a if a company call has me come in, or they the company is paying for me to come in, right? There's right. the the company is giving me that exchange. So the the uppers, the people that are paying me, are excited for me to come, right? Right. There's about so suppose I had a a twenty person sales team that I'm working with. Sixty percent of them are going to be like, cool, I, this is great. I love hearing what you say. Twenty percent of them are going to be on the fence. And kind of like, you got to prove to me first before I'm going to come mm -hmm. over to your side. And 20% are going to, no matter what I do, what I say, are going to be like, nope, I got this. I don't want your help because that's just the way their programming is, mm -hmm. right? right? So so I expect that coming into companies and organizations all the time. Um, but it's it's just a matter of, of par for the course. You know, I don't take it personally. It's not, right. not me. I might come in and I might trigger somebody just based on my personality and an unresolved trigger they have, you know, and it's nothing I did. It's just something that that unresolved trigger within them. And that's okay. Because what I know is people are going to be ready when they're ready. They're going to be ready when they're ready. And I can't force that, right? I can't force that. So I've worked with companies that five years ago, you know, six years ago that I still get calls from the individuals that are like, okay, I need some one-on-one -on -one coaching now, or I, I loved our work together. Now let's do this. So it's, it's all in their time. And I'm just, I go in and uh, I'm just in service. That's my job is just to be in service and to navigate the energy when I walk in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that has to be rewarding um, on many levels. Mm -hmm. And okay, so you're also a father. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know the ages of your children or if you have more than one. Yeah, I have two. I have an older boy, he's 15, and a younger girl who's nine. Oh, about to be 10 next week. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So. so how are you um, guiding them to follow their authenticity? I love that. Um, you know, first and foremost, when I... I'll give you this quick story, um, if it's okay, sure, uh, around yeah. when I when I knew I was becoming a father, I I found out my wife was pregnant, hooray, <laughs> and an old trigger, this is what, 16 years ago, an old trigger got lit up in me, right, that old programming came into play, and it, and, and it went like this, it went, even though I was doing well, I was making six digits as a coach, and you know, traveling around the world, <clears throat> an old programming came back saying, you need to now go back into corporate America and get a safe, secure job that's going to pay you a lot of money because you've got a family coming. Mm -hmm. And so I asked myself, I said, okay, 
what is the highest paying job in sales? Because I knew that, that I could make, that I could pursue. And at the time it was medical device sales, right? That I, that I knew of. So I pursued, got a headhunter and eventually landed a job in medical device sales. <clears throat> and I did that. And lo and behold, about a year later, um, I was like, I'm not fulfilled. You know, my son was born and I go, I'm, I'm not happy again. You know, it was a great experience. I got to be in the OR training doctors, but it just wasn't for me, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I didn't get excited about hemostats and bone grafts. That okay. wasn't my jam, right? <laughs> and so I asked myself this question, you know, I said, what one lesson would you want your kids to, to learn? And it would, and the, the answer was follow your heart. And as a new dad, I was like, well, how can I say that to them if I'm not doing that, mm -hmm. if I'm not in the industry that I want to do? So be in. So I decided, and with my wife, of course, and by the way, she was like, whatever you want to do, you know, if you want to go into medical device sales, go, if you want to stay in this industry, fantastic. But again, she's very supportive. What She wants me to be happy as well as I want her to be happy what do you want to do? I go, well, I'm going to leave. And so I was deliberate. I was clear. And then the universe said, I want to make sure you're deliberate and clear. So I'm going to throw a couple other like little things at you to tempt you <laughs> to see if you want to really leave this industry. So that was another job or two making more money than I was making. Right. And right. I was like, well, no, I'm deliberate. I'm out of here. I'm going. And so the universe said, great. And for some reason, everything lined up. It was like my wife got a job um, working in a movie for three months as I transitioned back, um, three or four, three and a half months. I got to spend some great time with my son. I was able to get back into the industry, get my clients back twofold from what I did when my, my wife's job ended, by the way. Oh, and by the way, somehow I ended up getting some sort of severance package when I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And so the universe just said, yeah, of course, we're going to line everything up for you. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and, and I, I, I don't even know if I really, I don't think I told my daughter that story yet, but you know, when my son, you know, especially as a boy, you know, we live here in the South Bay, you know, the Manhattan beach, Hermosa beach, Redondo, he's a big surfer. He's got his whole posse of kids, you know, bro, bros, he's a sensitive kid. Like I was, I was a super, super sensitive kid. And I masked that, you know, thinking there was something wrong with me. And I became this, you know, uber tough, masculine male, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I see him showing emotions now, I applaud that. I never want to say, dude, you don't cry. Like, let that, let that out. That's important that you have an understanding of your emotions and why that is happening. You know, and sometimes immediately he doesn't want to talk about it because he's a typical teenager, but I applaud that, you know, and then I have a, you know, a spirited, uh, amazing daughter, super spirited, that she's just emotional all the time, you know, <laughs> excited, happy, you know, whatever. I just embrace that. She's nine going on 19. And, and it's just, it's a matter of just holding that space for them. You know, like somebody once said, and I love this, it's like, be the riverbanks to her river. Ooh. don't be the yeah. dam don't try to like block what she's going through because she's going through her own process she he's going through his own life and he's going to do exactly what he wants 
We're not forcing college on him. We're putting boundaries up because we know how important those boundaries are to make those kids feel safe. And we're very direct when we say something, we're going to follow through with it. But we're allowing them to explore, to do what they love. You know, and right now my son, his passion is surfing. He loves it. Like I loved football. He loves surfing and he loves snowboarding and skating and he works at a surf shop and he's just like, he, that's his life. I have 10 boards in my office right now all around. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and, and I want it like my parents did for me in my pursuit of sport. I'm going to do that for him, you know, and, and my daughter, when she finds her thing, whenever that is, you know, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm loving this growth and seeing them be and blossom into the souls that they're going to be. And, you know, hopefully as I do my work and my wife does her work on ourselves, that paves the way for something beautiful for them. And maybe they're going to come out of it and just go, yeah, I'm immediately going to be in service of the world of humanity of, of whatever. But if not, they're going to learn their lessons. They're going to fall and as they were riding their bikes when they were four years old, they're going to get right back up and they're going to try again. And I'm going to be there to applaud them on, not to pick them up and do it for them, but to get them where they need to be, you know, to show them that I'm in their corner. Absolutely. That's, they'll be able to like see you as an example. So it will affect them. Absolutely. And Mm. you're really like, sounds like you're really stepping into that like role of the divine masculine and holding that Mm. space for your children, which is really lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, you were mentioning, you said the divine masculine. And I think, I think it's, it's what we've learned in our circles is understanding how to integrate the feminine into what we are as men. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk sometimes about, right. We talked about right brain earlier, but it's really tapping into that creative you know, sensitive aspect of ourselves and understanding, you know, what it is to, to not to be a woman, but to, to really listen and feel into what they need, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or not just saying men, women, I'm saying masculine, feminine, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Depending on the partners, it doesn't matter. There's some of us are going to have more masculine traits, more feminine traits, you know, it doesn't have to be a guy, girl. It's just really being able to hold that space and understand you know, for my wife, I'm not about fixing her. I'm about holding the space as she goes through the process that she's going to go through mm-hmm. and she's going to come into it when she does in her own time. So feeling into the, the feminine and, and really connecting with that, I think is a, is a huge part of, of the new masculine, modern masculine man. Right. Yeah. And and really just like understanding how to establish boundaries in general, I feel is something that I still mm. struggle with it every moment, but <laughs> yeah. um, because I feel like they can be so transient and change like in moments, like moment mm. to moment. So it, it can be tricky sometimes. I just did a course last week on setting boundaries. <laughs> it's funny. I think I taped it. I can send it. Uh, it's on YouTube actually. Yes, it's on YouTube. I did it through another company. Um, but boundaries are essential and, and it's not about boundaries to put up in a, in a, in a get out of here. You can't come into my life. Boundaries are about honoring the goals and the dreams that we, that you have for your life. And if, if people aren't set up, if, if they're letting people in, if they're pleasing as opposed to serving right all the time, 
then they're not going to be living from their hearts. They're not going to be fulfilled like they should. You know, being the best version of yourself is what this world needs, you know? And, and when you let other people tap into that, that are taking your energy, that, are, that you keep giving, 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 and they're not doing anything about it, you want it more for them than they want it for themselves. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't care for them. But what it comes down to is you just, just truly going after what you were meant to do here. So those boundaries go up to honor yourself, to love yourself. They're about love, loving yourself. Yeah. And does, again, mm-hmm. be compassionate with the others, but mm-hmm. not anything. And I'll give you a quick story, a quick example. You know, my dad's an alcoholic. <clears throat> He's still here. He still drinks. He's a great man. But, you know, he's been, you know, in his little kind of battle for years. And, and when I could understand where he came from, why he drinks, you know, he had a really rough childhood, um, not rough. He lost his mother when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, and then my sister passed when I was 12. She was almost mm-hmm. nine. Um, you know, that was really rough on him. And he just didn't have the tools to deal with it. And even though we've tried so many different ways to get him to stop and he has little intermittent pieces. I finally had to get to a place with myself going, it's okay. I see you. I'm compassionate. I see your little boy. I see that you're hurting, you know, that you're not ready to step into that. <laughs> and that's okay. And so when you drink, it will, you know, the boundary is, you know, I don't want you around the kids. You know, I don't, I don't need to have a conversation with you when you're drinking. But <clears throat> any other time, I'd love to. I still love you. I still think you're a great man. But that <clears throat> allowed that trigger to diminish in me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That big disappointment, that alcoholic energy that goes and swirls around, unfortunately, so many families, you know, I'm able to kind of like step away from that and kind of go, okay, he's, that's his choice. I don't have to be a part of that. I thank you for giving me all the lessons, dad, that you've given me directly Mm -hmm. and indirectly, Mm -hmm. but now you're making your choice. And I love the person I've become. And I, and you were a part of that. And I can just honor that. And thank you for that. And you go on. And when you're ready to stop, I'm going to be proud of you, you know, and, and if you're not, I'm still going to be proud of you because you did the best jobs with the tools that you had. And that's, that's all I can ask. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing where we can look at our parents and be grateful for the things that were probably maybe not so glamorous in our lives and like appreciate those because they teach us Mm -hmm. just as much as anything else and also the boundaries I feel like allow us to feel safe and secure which Mm -hmm. I think is the most important to be our authentic selves so right that's it yeah Yeah. those are so so important you know it's 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 a matter of loving and it's not a matter of of hate and I think people put up boundaries going no you can't come in and their context is anger Mm -hmm. right Mm -mm. that's not a true boundary a true boundary is is coming from a loving, collaborative place with somebody. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. If someone would like to work with you, um, what would that look like? Well, um, I have different courses that I am working on right now that they can potentially get. I mean, I do one-on-one um, uh, discovery calls to see if it were a good match. And those, those are just like, let's get a chance to know each other. Do you, do we vibe off each other? Is there value there coming from, from me to you? And, you know, so that's, that's one thing I love to do. And those discovery calls are 
you know, free, just depending on getting on my calendar, which is on my website. Um, and then I do different workshops, retreats. I'm doing a breath work um, uh, retreat tomorrow, you know, so it's just, it, there's so many different ways. It's just a matter of emailing me and seeing what's on the workshop calendar or however it looks, but my website's chrisplord.com. Okay. Very simple. All right, so, great. I'll yeah. add that to the show notes so people can click on it yeah. very easily. Right on. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. So I usually ask this one question to kind of like wrap things up. And mm. the question is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Mm. Uh, fall in love with the journey of becoming your greatest self. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's the greatness that's in you, you know, the journey is what it's all about. And I think too many people put it on the finish line because I know I did for so long, you know, just putting um, being in sport and endurance athlete, and, you know, going, going, going and not really paying attention to the beauty, you know, always having to push more because of my lack of worth. I didn't think I was worthy enough. So I had to take on more and more and more. Right. And when I realized I was just worthy enough as I was, as I was mm -hmm. born, then it was like, okay, now let's enjoy the journey. And it is, it's a journey to your soul, to your greatest self. And I think if we can embrace that and learn that, love that, then wow, we are in for a pretty extraordinary life. <laughs> I think so. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed right our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Gonna... Thanks so much, Whitney. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.